You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Wow, it is good. Well, I was here last week and I'm here this week and um, that is unusual for me and so I'm preaching in the same church two weeks in a row and I've had to write a new sermon, yeah, and it's not been easy, yeah, because normally I, I write one sermon, I preach it all over the world, and that's fantastic. This week, I thought, I did think about preaching last week's sermon and see if any of you actually noticed, yeah? Imagine if I just did that and people are like, I think I've heard that before, yeah. But I'm really excited about the opportunity to communicate with you because I really feel that God wants to do something really powerful. Is people, are people up for that? Yeah? Fantastic. Well, um, it's summertime and um, I have got into running. I don't know if anyone else is into running, but I have got into running. I really, I'm not very good at it, but I love it. And um, I've got into, has anybody been to the park runs, which is the Saturday morning runs? Anyone been to that? No one, you're all like, no, we are more into eating pizza. Yeah, that's fine. And uh, basically I was running and two things have happened to me. One. I ran the other week, and at the end, when I got over the finishing line, I was so done in, I was so tired that I lay down, and the steward came over and asked if I wanted an ambulance, yeah? That, that is when you know you're not as fit as you wish you were. And then the second thing that happened that is really interesting, the thing about when you get into running, you get obsessed about your PB, your personal best, yeah? You're always wanting your personal best and you're always talking to people about it. I don't know if you've ever been at a party and somebody's cornered you, yeah? Who wants to talk about their personal best and you are not interested, yeah? And they are just going, well, that's me now. I'm like always talking about it. I'm like, and a few weeks ago, I had the chance to get my personal best. I was really there and I was coming near the finishing line and as I was coming close to the finishing line, there was a man in front of me. Now this man was doing amazing. He was around about 70 years old and I came right alongside him and I realized I had a bit of a decision to make. The only way that I was gonna get my PB was to kinda push him out the way, yeah, and go past him. And I'm thinking, oh, he's an older gentleman. What should I do? He's coming in. I'm thinking, I really want this PB. And then, as I came shoulder to shoulder with him, something amazing happened. Has anyone got any idea what happened as I came shoulder to shoulder with him? Anyone? He pushed me. No. I love that it's violence. Everyone likes a bit of violence, don't they? Nothing violent happened. Anyone, anyone else? What about over here? Anyone, any ideas? Anyone got any ideas what happened next? I fell. Once again, a little bit violent. Thanks for that, yeah. No, what happened? This is honestly true. I came alongside this 70-year-old man. The next thing that happened is this man 
put his hand out and he took my hand. He took my hand and we crossed over the line holding hands. Right. I love, well, people are clapping. People are like, what is that? People are like, I don't know how to respond to that. Well, that's you. Think about me. I was like, and he turned to me and he went, thank you. And I went, um, thank you. I didn't really have any kind of face to kind of know how to react to this situation. But it was a little bit weird. And so um, I was kind of praying and chatting to God about today. And I want to talk about running. I don't know if you've got um, your Bible, but if you have, I'd love you to look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to read a few verses from the, the Word of God. The Bible says, therefore, verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. I want to talk about running. I really feel that there's a momentum in this church. I really feel that God's on with something in Coventry. And I really feel that I want to talk to you about you being the greatest you can be in this next season ahead. Here we are on the brink of September. It's going to be a busy couple of months. And we want to be the best that we can be. I want to talk about running, but I've got three things I want to communicate. The first thing I wanted to communicate is you can run bound or you can run free. You can run bound or you can run free. You see, um, I don't know uh, if you remember the, the, the school races, the school sports day. Can you remember school sports day? And uh, school sports day, they were like weird races. It was like things like egg and spoon race. Does anybody remember that? It's ridiculous. Why have we got an egg on a spoon? It doesn't make sense, but we're doing it. And one of the other races, can anybody remember the three-legged race? Yeah? And if you've never heard of this, it is the weirdest thing. Basically, you get tied up to somebody and the two of you have to run together. And of course, when you're like a young kid, you're not like chatting about, let's do it in rhythm, let's be synchronized. You put that foot forward. When you're like nine, you just run, don't you? And if you run fast and the little guy next to you runs slow, guess what happens? Yeah, one's on the floor, it gets messy really quick. And it's just three-legged race. You know, you're bound to this guy. And then I was speaking to God and talking and I felt God wanted to stir your soul about is there anything in your life that you are too attached to? 
Is there anything in your life that is slowing you down, that is stopping you from being everything you were created to be because you're too attached to it? You see, we're back and we're talking in language of like putting Jesus as number one of our lives. We're talking about Jesus being everything. We're talking about him being absolutely everything. And when we start talking like that, it's like, oh, Jesus, is there anything in my life that I have attached myself to that is stopping me from being everything you created me to be? You see, when we start thinking like this, it's easy to get into that kind of thought pattern of that, oh, it's kind of like idols, it's like foreign gods, it's like all that stuff. But often, the things that we make number one in our lives are often good things. Things that are good of themselves, but we have given them too much prominence, and so therefore they become too important. We have attached ourselves to something that is slowing us down. When I was 15, I loved football. I was a massive football fan. I used to go out and play football with my mates for hour upon hour. I used to go to matches. I used to watch it on the telly. And when I was in a church one day and I was at the service and the man was talking from the front and God spoke to my soul. And a young lad, God spoke to me and said, football is too important to you. And it's on the throne of your life. Now, guys, you've got to understand, football is not satanic, yeah? If you wrestle around the letters of football, you don't get devil worshiper, yeah? It's like, it's not a bad and evil thing. But what it is, is it had become too important to me. And I remember there was a song, and some of you will remember this song, but there was a song called, All to Jesus, I Surrender, I surrender all and I came to the front where that music was playing and I knelt down and I said Jesus I give you football and for a little while in my life I didn't watch any I didn't play I didn't like get involved in it and then Jesus kind of released me and said that's good you've shown me that I'm number one is there something in your life that you are too attached to? Is it like a hobby? Is it like a person? Is there something that has got an unhealthy grip on your life and God's just provoking you right now that we are bound to this thing and it's slowing us down and stopping us from being what we were meant to be? See, I went to Bible college and I, I remember it well, God, I give you my future. I, God, I give you 100%. I'm, I'm there. Amazing. But there was one little thing that I was keeping back. Because when I went to Bible college, I was just holding back this thing called relationships. See, I was, oh God, you can have my future. But when it came to relationships, I was just holding it tightly. Because I was terrified that God was just going to be there with a big finger and he would be like, you will marry her. No, God, not her. Not the one with the beard. No, God. <laughs> I was like terrified that God would be like, you will marry her and you will have children with her. No! 
And I kept on holding on to this thing, God, you can have all my life, but no, I'm not giving you that because no, no, that's mine. No, no, no. And I remember in the chapel at Bible college, God speaking to me. And again, the same song, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender. And I remember thinking, God, I, I, I'm bound to this thing. I, I need to let it go. And I remember coming to the front and I laid it before Jesus. It says, Jesus, here, have my relationships. The amazing thing about God is that when you surrender all to God, God blesses you overflowing like you've never imagined or dreamed. Because God, if you've met Tams and my wife, we've been married for 25 years and God's been amazing. She is such a great girl. She puts up with all my silliness and my nonsense and she's a good woman and she still quite likes me, yeah? And so it's like, it's like, God, you've blessed me. And you see, this is what happens when we say, oh, you know, maybe I'm a bit attached to this. I have to give this to you, God. God then blesses you back. But now, let's do some real talk. Because you see, God's spoken to me today about this whole thing about the rucksack. You know, and Sandra was talking earlier, and we brought the bag onto the stage. And you see, because I believe that like we can tie ourselves up to some pain and some struggle and some troubles. This sounds absolutely crazy because every one of us in this room would say, no, 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 I want to be free from my trouble. I want to be free. I want to be set free. But the truth is that some of us, we begin to accommodate our pain. We begin to get used to having that pain. We get used to having that trouble. It gives us something to talk about. It gives us something to moan about. It gives us some kind of comfort in a kind of weird way. And we begin to accommodate this struggle and pain. And we are attached to something that is slowing us down. Some of you know that in 2012, I walked over Great Britain with a cross on my back. I felt God tell me to do it. And I did it and it was amazing. And some of you also know, because I said it from this pulpit, that when I got back home after doing that great exploit, I went through the darkest time of my life. And I had really dark thoughts, and I went through a really tough and bleak place. But friends, what I want to tell you is, God's not wanting me to be attached to that for the rest of my life. God's not wanting me to drag that decaying corpse everywhere I go. Everyone I speak to, every place I go, I'm talking about my dark, hard, difficult time. That is not God's intention for my life. And I am like saying, God, I want to live a life where I'm free. God, I want to be completely not bound, but absolutely run free and into everything that you have got for me. And it's like, what about you? Are you willing to give up that thing you've had for such a long time that you start talking about without even noticing you started talking about it? I started to find that I was telling people about my dark season everywhere I went. People was like, oh. And you begin to talk about it and begin to. And God's saying, Mark, you do not need to drag this decaying corpse everywhere you go. We want to run unbound, free. 
I have a picture of you guys running with all of your heart and gaining everything that God's got for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And for some of us today, we say with God, we lay stuff down, things that we're too attached to. Recently, God's challenged me. I told you when I was 16, 15, I got a, 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 God spoke to me about football. God's recently spoke to me about some other stuff where it's like, oh, I'm maybe making that too important. And I have this little phrase that I now say, because I have you, God, I can live without, and then I say my stuff. Could you do that? Because I have you, God, I can live without and then say whatever it is. What is that thing for you? What is that thing that God may be asking you to lay down? Maybe it's the internet. Maybe it's Google. Maybe you Google all the time. Maybe it's texting. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's like some box set that you've got over-obsessed with. Maybe it's a business thought. Maybe it's relationship. Maybe it's thinking about the perfect guy. Maybe it's thinking about the perfect woman. And God says, lay it all down. Put me first. Does this make sense? Here's the second thing about running. It's not only does God want us to run free, but also, here's something. You can run with the crowd or you can run with the pace setter. Oh, I love that. I've been watching the Olympics recently. I don't know if you've seen any on TV. Mo Farah has been winning everything, hasn't he? Amazing. Usain Bolt has, has almost, almost won everything. And it's like, you know, I've been watching some stuff where basically it's like, oh, incredible. Because, you know, sometimes I'll have these pace setters and it's interesting because, you know, the guys have got to make a choice when they're running around and they see the pace setter set off a little bit faster. And am I going to run with the crowd? Am I going to stick with them? Or, or, or am I, I going to go with the pace setter? You see, the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That you would align your soul to Christ. Sometimes I feel that it can be easy in the crowd where we all just like molly coddle each other. We all just like celebrate each other's mediocrity. And it's like, wow, we're all just in this together, just hustling along. And like even amongst my Christian friends, I can find myself just living in this mediocrity. And I think, no, God, no. I, I want to I wanna follow the pace setter. I want to follow the pace setter. You see... I don't know what you're like. Let me be honest about me. But when, I'm a good Christian when things are good. Yeah? You know when life's going well, everything's good. It's like, yeah, Jesus. I can do that really well. But when life gets a bit tough, when the circumstances are hard, I get knocked out of rhythm. And I find myself... Allowing myself to go with the ebb and the flow of the crowd. But I'm choosing not to live like that. I want to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. And even though my circumstances are tough and things are hard, I'm like, I'm going to keep on going and I'm going to keep on. I'm setting myself, I'm setting my eyes on Christ. I've got a bit of a tough meeting on Tuesday. 
I'm not looking forward to it. It's going to be very painful. Two people that I love are coming to talk to me about a very hard, difficult thing that they're going through. And I know that my wife and me, it's going to be a painful, difficult meeting. I've thought about it for five or six days. I'm not looking forward to Tuesday. Ah! But I'm praying on the way in today. I'm saying, God, just because my circumstances are difficult, I'm not going to be knocked out of rhythm. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. And I'm getting into that beautiful, sweet rhythm where I'm saying, my soul is aligned to Christ. See, the crowd go fast and then slow and fast and slow. They've got no rhythm to them. But when you set your eye on Jesus and you fix yourself on Christ, he's the ultimate pace setter. He will keep you going. He will keep you going in a good rhythm and in a good place. Oh, I love this. It's an interesting thing about this mediocrity. I am... Um, my wife and me, we went to Africa about um, 10 years ago or so. And uh, my wife wanted to go to Kenya on safari. And she found these brochures where you go to a lovely hotel and you have a nice shower and a bath and a nice big bed. And then you get up and you go in a minibus and the minibus drives you out into the bush and you see a lion and you get back into the minibus and you drive to the hotel and you have a nice shower. I don't know if you've seen. And so my wife had seen this, but I found some brochures. And my brochures were a bit different. And it was still going to Kenya, but this time it was like you are in tents in the bush, yeah? There are no fences around the tents, yeah? And there are no hotels, yeah? There are no toilets, yes. I managed to convince my wife to do it. She's like, okay, let's go for it, Mark. You're crazy. This better not go wrong. And I'm like, no, it's going to be amazing. The adventure of our lives. Now, you guys all know that I am Scottish. And Scottish people are famous for being a little bit tight with their money, yeah? I think you know that, yeah? So we went to Kenya in the rainy season, yeah? We went in the rainy season because it was a little bit cheaper. And so, uh, praise the Lord, yeah? If you look after the pennies, the pounds will look after themselves. So the thing is, yeah, it's always good. You write that down. So the thing is, I went to, uh, we went to Kenya in the rainy season and we had this great time. The weather was mainly good and the safari was awesome. It was great. But one time we went out and we're looking at the animals, no great. But there was a massive thunderstorm, rains came. And when it rains in Africa, it rains, properly rains. A lot of you Africans are like, British people, what are you talking about? Yeah, this is not rain, yeah? You want to come to our country, we'll show you rain, yeah? And it's like it rained, it was terrible. And then it was like, we got back to the tents and the tents were demolished. All of them, we couldn't use them. So John, the van driver, Kenyan John, he said this. He says, listen, guys, um, what we're going to do is tonight we're going to put a big fire and we're all going to get in our sleeping bags and we're going to sleep around the fire. It's like, oh, this is amazing. So we're all there in our sleeping bags all around the fire. It was brilliant. We'd had loads of food. We were loving life. And at 2 a.m., suddenly we heard this sound. 
like a really loud sound. And it's all like the white European guys said to John the Kenyan, John, what was that? What was that, John? So John said, that was lions. I promise you this is true. That was lions. So the next question is like, ah, how, uh, how far, how far away are the lions? And John says, 15 minutes, 15 minutes away. But then John said, he says, listen guys, don't worry. I can tell by the sound of the lions that they have had food so they will not bother us. Yeah, that's what he said. They'll not bother us. He says, but listen, if you're really scared, it's no problem. You can sleep in the van. Imagine how amazing this sermon would be if I told you that I slept outside round a fire with the Africans. Come on. I slept in the van, yeah, I was in the van. I was in the van. All the other Europeans were in the van. The only people around the fire were the two African guys, yeah? They're around the fire, we are in the van. We're like, yeah, good, that's fine, you stay there. We're in the van. And so, in the morning, these Africans are laughing at us, like, you guys are crazy, what's wrong with you? It was fine. And then a couple of days later, um, we were kind of setting up camp and like my wife, she was just kind of, and she saw like what she thought was like a kind of twig, a branch, and uh, but it moved, it moved. So we're like kind of chat, chat, chat. And my wife said to me, she goes, Mark, I've just seen a branch, but the thing about it is it moved. <laughs> so I said, oh, branches don't normally move. <laughs> so we're just like, Five minutes go past, we're moving stuff. I'm thinking, I need to tell John, the African driver, I need to tell him about the moving branch because, you know, he might be interested in that. So I just says, oh, John, my wife, a few minutes ago, she saw a branch, but she saw it move. As soon as I said that, John starts shouting, everybody in the van, everybody get in the van. Everyone's running because there's a little principle in life that I have always abided by. And it's simply this. If the Africans are scared, yeah, if the Africans are scared, then I am terrified. Yeah, then I am terrified. I mean, I am like, oh, I am in the van. I am like pushing children out of the way. I mean, I'm in the van. What? And so then the John gets the, the cook and the two of them together. They're like, they get these spades and they go out and there are these shovels and they like start attacking and they're throwing. And we're all looking out the windows thinking, wow, they do not like branches, do they? I mean, they, they, I don't know what is wrong with them, but they do not like branches. And when the guys come back in the van, of course, what did they tell us? They said, listen, guys, that was a black mamba snake. And they said, if it had got you, basically, you've only got an hour and a half to live before you die with the poison. And we're two hours away from the nearest hospital. So, like, that's bad. The snake was bad. Yeah? 
And we're, we're all us Europeans like, oh, you're the snake. And I find it interesting. He said this. He says, it's like, you Europeans, you're crazy. He says, you're scared of the lion and the lion's not going to hurt you. And you're not scared of the snake and the snake is going to really hurt you. And I find it interesting because I wanted to speak this over you. We should fear mediocrity more than failure. We should fear mediocrity more than failure. You see, we all get scared about failure, messing up. Oh, we get trying something and it doesn't work out. And we all get hung up on that. But the truth about failure is, guess what? You fail you wake up the next day, you brush yourself down, you go again. And there are lessons we can learn from failure. Failure is like a loud roaring lion that's just roaring, but there's nothing to fear. But the thing we need to fear is mediocrity. Because it's the slow poison that kills us. Just living an average life. Mediocrity, everyday, middle lane living. Just kind of treat in church, middle lane. I'll turn up late if I want. I'll, hey, do you know what? I might fast, I might not fast. Do you know what? Hey, whatever. God, yeah, maybe, maybe not. And we have this mediocrity that kills us slowly but surely. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. I want to live my life 100%. I want to live an excellent life. And I want to say, God, I, I'm not going to mess around with mediocrity. I'm going to stay away from mediocrity. And I'm going to live a life of excellence. I want to live 100% for you, God. Oh, wow. See, we can, we can run with the crowd or we can run with the pace center. And then, guys, I... I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm going to get passionate in this last point because God stirred me up about this. And I, I really pray that you hear my soul on this. But I wanted to say that you can run, you can run from disaster or you can run towards the disaster. See, what I wanted to say is this year we've, we've seen some horrible Horrible disasters, haven't we? We've seen the fire at Grenfell Tower. We've seen attacks by terrorists. And I've noticed that there's two things that happen. There are those people who run from the disaster, covering their eyes, wanting to get as far away from it as possible. And then there are other people that are running. And those are the people that are running towards the disaster. They're running towards it to see people get rescued. You see, I even saw some footage of a disaster a couple of years ago where everything was horrible was happening and people were getting pulled out of this horrendous disaster. And then they were sitting in a huddle and they were given those emergency blankets, those silver foil blankets. And they were all in a huddle. They were all safe kind of chatting amongst themselves while everything was going on. And then suddenly, one of the guys in the group stood up, took off the foil, the survival blanket, laid it down and ran towards the disaster to rescue those that were still in the building. 
You see, friends, this is a picture of church. Because the truth is that Great Britain, we're in disaster. We used to send missionaries all over the world. We used to be bringing and spreading Christianity right across the globe. And now Great Britain, I don't even know if you know this, but just in the last six months, it has been stated that more people have said that they do not believe in God than do believe in God in Great Britain. It's the very first time that there's more people saying that they have no faith than they have faith in God. Our nation is in disaster. We've got people that are like, lives are wrecked and trashed and destroyed. We've got people who are devastated. This morning there are people in Coventry waking up who last night was horrendous. We've got children waking up. The unspeakable things have happened in the house that they lived in. We've got people whose like marriages are devastated and trashed. We've got all kinds of things going on in our nation. And friend, as a church... We've got to make a decision. Are we going to sit? We're saved. We've been rescued. Hey, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We've all been rescued. Are we going to be there within our little huddle, keeping our little church nice? We're in a little group. We've got our survival blankets on. Let's hold on till Jesus comes back. Or have we got a heart and a passion that some of you are going to rise up and drop the survival blanket and say, we are going back in to our schools, our housing estates, our communities, our colleges. We're going to go back in and see as many rescued as we can see. We're going to go back into the devastation. We're not going to hide our eyes. We're not going to hide our eyes. I was preaching in a church recently and I was talking about this story about this young prostitute girl broken and devastated and people from the church came to me and said, we did not come to church on a Sunday to hear about a prostitute. We wanted you to preach the word. And maybe that sounds holy, and maybe some of you are thinking, oh, sounds quite right. No, because friends, we're not about hiding our eyes from the devastation and the brokenness of this world. We're not about just playing at church. Friends, the heartbeat of this church is that we would stand up and that we would rescue thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. That we would go into families and see families turned around in the name of Jesus. That we would go into schools and communities and see life and rescue and salvation come in the name of the Lord. See, we are set free to see others set free. We are not set free to be in a little huddle singing songs about how amazing it is that we've been set free, but we go back in. I wanted to tell you a story, and I don't know if the keyboard player is beginning to get ready, but you know, I wanted to tell you a story about a bit of a hero of mine. He's a guy called David. He's a Scottish guy. He's a Glaswegian guy. 
And God began to stir him up about being a missionary. And he went over to Africa to be a missionary. And when he got over there, he got in touch with an older missionary. And the older missionary started to show him around. And this young Scottish guy, some of you will recognize his name. He's a young Glaswegian guy called David Livingston. And David Livingston and this old missionary began to look around the bush and began to see some stuff. And the story goes that they were just coming through this little trees when suddenly they heard this sound. And this sound was like the Portuguese slave traders taking these slaves across Africa to the coast so that they would be slaves across the sea forever and ever. The Portuguese slave traders had guns on the slaves. And the story is that they were making them walk so fast that the little kids at the back of the chains had fallen on their face and were being dragged across their face, right across the bush. David Livingston, this young Scottish guy, saw this and began to rise up. And the old missionary put his hand on his chest and says, no, 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 David. That's just the way it is in Africa. Off they went. A couple of weeks later, the old missionary was showing David another part and they heard the sound again. And the slaves were being taken to the coast. The slave traders were marching them across. And David Livingston didn't wait this time to hear the old man's words. He burst through the bushes and every gun was on his head. And he ran to the chains and he lifted the chains up and he shouted, Freedom! Freedom! And the story is that this passion this cry in his heart, freedom, freedom, freedom. These slave traders had never seen such power. They'd never seen such passion. They dropped their guns and they ran because they'd never seen or encountered such incredible raw passion, freedom. Livingston and the old missionary broke the chains and these slaves were able to go back to their lives. But one of them came up to David and he says, ah, oh, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. He says, because I have been set free so that I will see others set free. You have been rescued. Jesus has saved you. I don't know if you know this, friend. I'm nearly finished, but listen to me. The enemy is marching a generation to forever and ever without God. And in Coventry, he wants to march a city to hell. And we can just look on and say, that's just the way it is in Britain. That's just the way it is in Coventry. Or maybe something can rise up inside of us that says, oh, no, 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 no. Let freedom come to the city. Let freedom come to this nation. Let freedom come to these housing estates. Let freedom come to the businesses. Let freedom come that this city would know God and all of his power and glory. Hallelujah. That we would be set free to see others set free.
I wonder if you can bow your heads in the presence of God. God's incredible presence has been in this room all day. And I just feel that there are some people in the room and you felt challenged today that you've attached yourself to something that's holding you back. You've attached yourself to something that's slowing you down. That God has provoked your soul today that you, you're in that three-legged race. You're not running free. You're bound. And as we're in the presence of God, I'm going to ask you that you would stand in a moment. I'm going to count to three. And if that is you, I'm going to ask that you would stand. And I want to pray that freedom would come. That you would no longer be attached to stuff that you know is stopping you from being everything God created you to be. We're only going to be a few moments, friends. But if that's you on three, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. One, two, three. Hallelujah. 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 Oh God. God, we are in your presence. We come. Say, I surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. And God, we just give you those things that we are too attached to. I join with my friends now. I'm standing with them. And I'm saying exactly what they're saying. Lord, we come. And we say we've been attached to some stuff for too long. And we come and we lay it down before you. We want to run free. Run free. I'm speaking over your soul right now. Run free in Jesus' name. Run free in Jesus' name. Oh, unfettered, unbound, uh, beautifully and wondrously free. Run free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. I wonder if we could all stand in his presence right now. And the band in a moment are going like, to lead us into a song. But church, I got a bit passionate there about going back in. And you know, we're reaching September and September and October, I know are busy months for you guys. And I know that there's a lot of activity and I'm asking you that you go back into this community, that you have been set free to see others set free. That, oh, I'm asking you that you don't just huddle up in your survival blanket, but that we say children and young people, salvation spring up from the ground. Moms and dads, houses turned around in the name of Jesus. So I've got a prayer inside of me. And I wonder if you could join me with it. Raise your hands to heaven. If you can raise your hands to heaven. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh Lord, our hands are raised up to you right now. The Lord, that we would not just be about playing at church. That we would not just be about survival until you come back. But that, oh Jesus, that we would go back in to 
and let salvation come. Oh, let rescue come in the name of Jesus. Oh, that we have been set free to see others set free in the name of Jesus.